Welcome to another episode of the Pink Sock Podcast. If you don't know what a pink sock is, Google it. Safe search images. Make sure the safe search is off, though, (laughs) so that you know what a pink sock is. You get to see it. We would like to thank our uh, loyal Patreons, who is Greg, Hot Amy, Gloria, David Dowdle, Joe Bashir. If you want to become a Patreon today, just visit patreon.com slash official Mike Usnick. And without further ado, we have the king of horror, the nerd of Star Wars. We have the Belliachi. We have Scotty Hagen. Hola. <laughs> Hola. How are you doing, brother? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm going to jump into it. What is on your tree? <laughs> well, my tree, I, I, I don't know if I could actually call it a Christmas tree because it's more of a celebration of things I love during the holidays, which is, I guess, all year round, actually. It's, you know, Star Wars ornaments and Marvel comics ornaments and general movie ornaments. And there's some Christmas stuff on there as well. But, you know, yeah, my, my tree is, uh, that's, that's it. Let's see, who do we have in this view? We've got, we got Luke Skywalker, old man Luke from The Last Jedi, we got Gizmo from Gremlins. There's the airplane from the airplane films. Spider Man, Coco from I can't. I, I'm having a hard time remembering the character's name from Coco. <laughs> it plays a great song though from the movie. You got Spidey Man. You got. I, I... <laughs> I can do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I enjoy the uh, the ornaments that actually make some kind of noise or sound, like the uh, the Star Trek, uh, the vintage '60s Star Trek communicator does something too. But I can't reach the button on it right now. So you're one of the few people I know that's also a Trekkie and a Star Wars nerd. I okay, so <laughs> I believe in the best of both worlds. I'm a way bigger Star Wars fan. I love the old Star Trek. There's some 80s Star Trek in the films that I like, and I really like Star Trek Discovery. But there's some of the series I've, I've never really been that hip to. And But, you know, I believe we can all get along. We, we can. It's all in space. Come on. We can all. Right. Right. <laughs> there's plenty of space to discover. 
Right. In fact, the newer Star Trek, I, I think, was kind of influenced by some Star Wars because it has that vibe. I think that's why I like Star Trek Discovery. But they like should that, do, much they bigger should, Star Wars fan. They should do a Star Wars and Star Trek movie. I know. You know, <laughs> I, have you seen those commercials that have Mark Hamill and uh, and Patrick Stewart? No. Together? Yeah. Yeah. Just Google them. They're on there. They're online and they're, they're, they're funny, you know. Speaking of crossovers, what, what would you think about this one? I love that one. That's I, <laughs> that's one of my pitches that I use. I stole that picture from somebody to put on my Facebook, which I I don't use that often. I was like, oh, I'm gonna throw this up there. I saw that on your cover photo. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> I know. Hey, I hey, love Chicken Chong. Hey I man, like this and go to the moon, man. <laughs> da, 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 da. What's going on, man? Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, man. So, since you're a Star Wars uh, fan, let's dig into a little bit of Star Wars, shall we? Okay. What do you all day. What do you think about the uh, prequel trilogy? Did you hear about what the original idea for that possibly? I did. Jar Jar. Well, well, wait. Which which story are we talking about? This is going to be a dark side. You know, I've always heard things like that before, and I, I don't know. Are you talking like like Dark Side Jar Jar? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, some of those things, like I follow a lot of Star Wars, like pages and like rumor, uh, like sites and you know podcasts and and some if some of those uh, some of those rumors don't ever make it to there, and I feel like they're more the top tiered. Yeah. So I feel you know some of them those are like just rumors. But the rumor that I heard recently was the original idea that George Lucas had for the sequel trilogy seven, eight, and nine that had mm -hmm. been released in the last five years where, and that sounded like that could have been pretty cool. Cause they were going to resurrect Darth Maul for that particular trilogy, which they, you know, they did do it in the clone wars animated series and the rebels animated series, but then, you know, spoiler alert, they killed them. <laughs> well, what's crazy. What's crazy is, is like me and a bunch of friends always mess with a buddy of mine because he freaks out anytime we mention Darth Jar Jar. He's like, that's oh, never yeah. gonna, that's never gonna happen. And I'm like, it should though. It would have been a great plot twist. And he's oh, like, no. no. He's like, no. I'm like, no, no, hear me out. <laughs> remember, oh, when yeah. that, remember when that Star Wars commercial came out where it showed that throne? And people was like, who's sitting in that throne? And then, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. For, for the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. For, for the last film. We told my buddy we're gonna be in the theater and the throne's gonna turn around and be like Misa back. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that sounds like some robot chicken shit right there. Right? Did you I love that episode of Robot Chicken where they pulled the plug on that? <laughs> Have you seen the one where where the uh, Jar Jar comes back and sees Darth Vader, but he knows it's Anakin and yeah. he starts just annoying the shit out of him and Darth Vader just kills him, but then Jar Jar comes back as a force ghost. He's like, ah, oh, Misa back. Have a good time. I I personally love the prequel trilogy, but it could have been too. it could have been better if they did the whole Darth Jar Jar shit. I th there there was a few things that like I never had any problems with those movies. I, I don't know what it is about my DNA, but I to me there's like no bad Star Wars. And I listen to people, you know, dump on whatever era they don't like and they only like the original stuff. That's cool, you know. If if you know, it's if everyone had the same opinion, it, everything would suck. So. Mm -hmm. 
that I, I I loved all those movies, and I saw like everyone that hated the Phantom Menace. I saw that movie like ten times in the theater, and <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it when people were complaining about Jar Jar right after the first viewing. I was like, "What? No Ewoks? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what, what next? You want to complain about? Every movie has its downfalls. Even the yeah. original. There's people that say you can't pick on the original trilogy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You can. Yeah, you can. Oh yeah, you know that's the thing is everyone com would complain about the acting in the in the early in the tr the prequel movies mm -hmm. and even some of the acting in like the sequel um, trilogy that had come out. But it's like some of the acting and like the original Star Wars is pretty hokey, you know? <laughs> right. You know, and it doesn't make me hate on it, but people have this weird head cannon of what they think Star Wars should be, and they get mad when they don't get their way. It's like. I just like show me, you know, give me the story, and I usually end up liking it. Like I'm like, okay, this is what they wrote. Okay, cool. I'm not, I'm not insane. I don't think that I have to like have it my way and and go online and just. Well, there's, know, nothing, this. there's nothing worse than an elitist fan. Oh, I know. Because I was talking to this one guy online, and he was like, when the prequel trilogy came out, he was all like, well, that's uh too much uh, that's not like the original trilogy blah, blah 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 and then he goes online recently and he's like oh the new trilogy is too much like the original i'm like then what do you want i know <laughs> that drove me nuts there's too there's there's a word that people pass or a phrase that people pass around they're like there's too much fan service i'm like yeah because i'm a fan and i want to see shit that i like in the from those movies i like it that's why I love everyone loves the Mandalorian. They're like, oh, this is more Star Wars than everything else than the movies were. And it's like, yeah, and you realize they've been put tying things from the the prequel trilogy, the original trilogy, and the sequel trilogy all together. So it all is it all comes together. And everyone's like, oh, I, I love this now. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what it really is they don't like about the newer movies. They always have something to complain about. Maybe they don't like that there's a strong female lead. Ray was one of my favorite characters. I thought she was awesome. And I, I, I almost jumped out of my seat cheering and crying when she said, my name is Ray Skywalker at the end of the rise of Skywalker. Cause was, I heard a few groans, but I was like, yes. Well, you know, it's really like, weird. I knew the to be mad. You know, it's really weird about that movie though. Uh, if you follow the comic books, um, a comic book came out not long before rise of Skywalker came out. Mm -hmm. that showed that emperor palpatine is actually anakin's father so if you yeah. if you think about it anakin and um uh kylo ren are actually cousins so, <laughs> right. we, have, so we have another incest scene super incestuous family the skywalkers are <laughs> the, they, they don't believe they don't believe in breeding outside of the box <laughs> Well, they don't really know. They no, don't know because it, it seems like they've all somehow been created by the force through Palpatine. <laughs> well, a, a lot of people are saying that Disney said that that comic book's not canon, but this is the same company that mm. said nothing's canon unless we make it. But we right. made this comic, but it's not canon. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's if it's a uh, if it's completely confused, but the, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this all day. Tell me what movie that's from. Oh fuck, I don't know. Captain America. <laughs> oh, I'm not I'm I'm a comic book nerd, but I haven't watched all the movies. Well, let's put it this way. I'm not a comic book nerd, but I've watched all the movies. <laughs> I love I love the Marvel films. In fact, it's like I started watching the Captain America flicks again recently just cuz I really love that first one. I like the time period that takes place and it kind of, you know, when you, when you get into like the 1940s era, it kind of reminds me of like the Indiana Jones films. And 
I really liked what, you know, I loved how the, the aesthetic of that film. And I like how they incorporated some cool, like semi-futuristic tech for that time period. Mm-hmm. And I thought Red Skull was cool. And, you know, I thought Cap was a great character. I thought, I remember Chris Evans being the Fantastic Four. And I thought he was a douchebag. And then when I saw him in, as Captain America, I was like, oh, this guy? But then after I saw it, it's like he plays the perfect Captain America. He was well, great. Speaking of Marvel, um, since Stan Lee's dead now, do you know who should replace him in all these cameos? Who? Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. <laughs> that, I, I could see that because it's got to be comedic. And for some reason, everything that guy does is, <laughs> is, is, is hilarious. That's why he couldn't be the Green Lantern. That's why right. he, <laughs> he had to be Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. And I heard, I read somewhere that Deadpool 2 had to change directors because he didn't like the direction the movie was going yeah. and he threatened to quit. And the, the whole studio fired the director and said, oh, <laughs> like, Ryan no. Reynolds go. It's like, no, they're he's like, Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, we're not losing the star. You're out of here. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how many directors get like fired like that in films constantly. That happened with all the recent star Wars films too. It seemed like there was kind of a, a constantly a shakeup going on. The only movie that didn't have any issues was the one that people was the most divisive, and that was the the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. The uh, the thing about movie switching directors. Speaking of the original, not the original, but like the nineteen eighty nine Batman. Mm-hmm. There was three movies that was with that series, and none of them made sense. There was three different Batmans. There was two different Harvey Dents. There was <laughs> Harvey Dent. The original Harvey Dent was Lando from Star Wars. Yeah, it was Billy D. Williams, and he was great. <laughs> I I remember at that time period, I was like, ah, holy shit! You know, I was, I was really happy to see that uh that that Lando. You know, and it's always so rude when anyone just calls a person by like whatever like most famous character they played in a film like oh yeah i'm going to see this new movie it's it's got you know it's got indiana jones in it you know <laughs> the, the Harrison Ford's patriot games oh i'm going to see the it's got han solo <laughs> then you automatically typecast them and then you're in your head cannon all you think of is them as you know shooting a laser gun I, I unfortunately do that with um shit. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. The kid that played Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, oh the, all those Harry Potter kids. I love those movies, by the way. Harry Potter is, you know, I I I thought all those movies were awesome. And yeah, I I, I went to I went to the theater to see um the Woman in Black. It was a horror movie. It was a Hammer yeah. film, yeah. and and Daniel Radcliffe played the lead, and he all I could see was Harry Potter. <laughs> Which which Harry Potter film is this one? <laughs> I know, I know. Oh man, Dory fights the 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 woman in black. <laughs> she comes from the grave or walks the woods. And watch out. Speaking of uh, movie series, did you know that Rocky Horror Picture Show is the only uh, movie in the Rocky series without Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> <laughs> and there was so much singing and dancing in it. I'm like, what the other ones don't have as much singing and dancing. There's a little and bit I, of barbershop quartet in the first one, or doo-wop, I should say, not barbershop quartet. A little doo-wop action going on with, I think, Frank Stallone was, was one of the guys in there. Wouldn't that mean, though, that Rocky Horror Picture Show would be the first one of the series since it came right. out first? Right. And actually, I think it did come out first. It did. 1960s, maybe 70s? It was, early, it was I want to say it was early to mid-70s. I'm not sure the exact, the exact date, but I'm pretty sure Rocky came out in 76. Could you rem- <laughs> I'm gonna mess with somebody one of these days and be like, have you seen this Rocky movie? 
I saw this Rocky movie. It's terrible. I hate singing and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I saw the nightmare before Christmas when it first came out in theaters and the, and where I grew up, there was, I don't know what the deal was with the people in the theater, but there was people walking out on it. Cause they were like, they're singing in this movie. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it was a great movie. I love that film. It's a great film. That's like a, Sweeney Todd. Uh, yeah. I, I love that movie, but a lot of people didn't like it because it was a m- musical horror movie. Yeah. I love the singing, but I can't handle all that bloodshed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here. I love the songs. It's like they never seen the musical or had any idea what it was about. Right. That, speaking of uh, Johnny Depp and Sweeney Todd, he, uh, whenever he did Heroes on the uh, Hollywood Vampires album, did you hear the interview he did about that? I'm not, I maybe <laughs> it was him, it was him, Alice, and jo, Joe, and mm-hmm. they're all sitting there. And Alice was like, Originally, I was gonna sing on that track, but I told Johnny it's more of a hymn song. And Johnny told Alice, I don't sing. And Alice was, <laughs> Alice, Alice was like, You were in Sweeney Todd, and Johnny's like, Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I don't sing, I don't sing, man. That's a really good impersonation, yeah. Well. <laughs> It doesn't, you know, I love, I love JD, but yeah, it definitely, uh, it's kind of an easy one to do. <laughs> Sound like you just woke up and you haven't quite opened your eyes yet. If you're watching this, Johnny, we love you. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, give, give me a smoke, please. What What's funny is, is whenever he did a uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, if you actually watch the movements, he based that character off of, uh, Keith Richards of the Rolling mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was. It, I thought that was a great character. I love Captain Jack Sparrow, and I thought. And then when they eventually had Keith Richards in the film, it was like, didn't he play Johnny? Didn't he play Jack Sparrow's dad? Yeah, he plays his dad. If I if, if I remember right, I think I only saw that one once. It was one of the. It was one of the last ones. He looks like he could be Johnny's father, to be honest with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, at this point in time, he, Keith Richards looks like he can be anyone's like you know great grandfather. It's weird because Keith aged like forty years in the eighties, and then yeah. he hasn't aged since. Right, he's, he's been old since like nineteen eighty-eight. <laughs> right, I like. I remember when I, I was going to see Alice um, on the Raise Your Fist and Yell tour. I had seen him the previous year, and. I kids at school were like, I'm not going to see that old fart. And I was like, he was like 39 at the time. <laughs> it's like, old? What the hell are you talking about? I wonder what they think now. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> What's up, Roxy? <laughs> Who's this Ryan Roxy fella? Is he like, I heard he played for poison or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, poison or, you know, you know, might've been in like one of these other bands, like Banshee or someone else from the, oh, the, the late 80s. But he isn't any enough's enough. Enough's enough. <laughs> <laughs> the singer copped his style. But uh, if you guys want to check out Scotty Hegan's socials, <laughs> his socials. We're, all, we're over here bashing Roxy. We that, that, that's a lovely picture that you, that you found of me. <laughs> when was that one taken? Like like a week and a half ago. <laughs> 39 as a child. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't believe it. People were bagging on bagging on Coop at the time, and he was literally like like 38, 39 years old during Nightmare Returns. And we were I was like, my 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 dad's not even that old. 
it kind of uh, drives me nuts though whenever i talk to people about cooper now because they're like who i'm like what <laughs> i know I, I i don't i don't get that at all <laughs> what? how you don't know and I, I have to go through like the songs and then i really don't want to but i have to go to that mm -hmm. one song that everybody knows i'm yeah. like okay school's out <laughs> Well, when I saw I saw a handful of the shows when when Alice was opening for Iron Maiden, and my top two favorite artists of all time, Alice and Maiden, and when I was when I was at the show in Chicago, I realized that it was an Iron Maiden audience. Like everywhere you look, I didn't see a single Cooper T-shirt around, and people looked dumbfounded when you walked out on stage. And I remember some people, I heard this at three different shows. Oh man, like after the show, like it blew me away. I didn't, I thought he was just gonna be some old man hobbling out with a cane. And I'm like, then they hear all the songs that I felt like that set list. I'm sure Ryan could back this up was strategically planned that mm -hmm. for any person that loves Iron Maiden, having known any type of eighties and nineties rock, there's no way they're not going to know poison right. or feed my Frankenstein or Hey stupid or any of those songs were at that time. Plus the biggest hits from the seventies. And, you know, I, I, I just couldn't give her how many st stupid people there were that just didn't know who Alice Cooper was, but yet they knew the entire Iron Maiden catalog and they had gray hair. <laughs> What's crazy, like whenever I see Cooper, a lot of people don't expect that because a yeah. lot of people think 70 something years old, he's just going to, mm -hmm. but no, he's like running around like he used to. And I'm yeah. like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's a top notch deal. Yeah. It, every, every person I know that like he was when he used to play at the Detroit, uh, the state fairgrounds every year. And that was a show a lot of people could get into dirt cheap in, in Detroit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> but so many people here would see him. And I always get messages from people the next day. Oh, I went to Alice Cooper last night. I wasn't expecting the show to be that good, you know? And I'm like, well, what were, what were you expecting? I mean, you went. Right. You know, but it's like you've heard all, you know, you've heard the rumors, you've heard the stories from the from years past. You know, you you, you should have known that you weren't going to walk in there and just see some like boring show. Right. You know? I was actually dumbfounded. Not nothing against him, but when I went and saw Ozzy, I was dumbfounded by how good he still was. Because when was that? I saw him last year before this whole pandemic during his farewell tour and i yeah. saw him twice on that tour one time he wasn't so good yeah. and the other time he was amazing and i'm like this is a dude that has all these supposed health problems he has mm -hmm. park now at the time i didn't know that's why i said supposed i didn't mm -hmm. know he had parkinson's it was all a rumor back then yeah. and i'm like but he's coming out like please bang science <laughs> and like shooting that's water just, like that's just the guy under the stage singing that Ozzy's just... hey that's what the rumor that's what the rumor mill says but i saw him another time and he wasn't that great yeah oh no i saw him on his first farewell tour the retirement no more it was called no more tours i think that was 1992 and i somehow was with my friend dennis and we weaseled our way backstage because we had we had after show passes for faster pussycat and we already used them good band and, yeah and we go, we, we went back down there and the people, you know, we thought, well, let's try it again. And the people let us down there and we were like, oh, well, man, we're not, you know, we made it down here. Cool. We're going to meet Ozzy. This is going to be great. And then his tour manager comes around, he's checking all the passes and he's like, hey guys, these are for faster pussycat. Who let you down here? And we're like, the, the people up there, they told us that we could come back down. They said it was good for both artists. We just played total dumb. And he goes, okay, hang on a second. He, he went back and to the back, comes back out again, goes, okay. You guys can stay. You just got to go through last. So 
we finally go through and we go into the like the area where you can meet Ozzy and he's sitting there on a couch and Sharon, this is well before the Osborne show or anything, before she was a celebrity, and she's standing there taking pictures of everyone yelling at Ozzy, you know, like sit up straight, you know, you, you know, you you look you look lazy. It was after the man just played the show. And so I sit down next to him, and it was the first time like I had I, you know, after I'd cut my mullet off and after I was sitting there with him, I go, oh, I didn't know what to say to him. I was like, it's Ozzy. And it's like, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't have any fan things like any, like, well, you know, what, what did you, what were you thinking when you wrote this song or whatever? It's like, I just said, Hey, what do you think of my new haircut? And he's like, Oh, you look very respectable. Like, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, thank you. And, he, and I was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt and he looked at my shirt and he's like, where's your Ozzy shirt? <laughs> I go, oh, I left it upstairs, you know, and he's like, oh, okay. And I, I all asked, well, what are you going to do when you, after you retire? And he goes, oh, probably just clean up all the dog shit in the yard. <laughs> and he was back on tour like two years later. <laughs> I think Ozzy and Motley Crue are just to uh, competing to who can have the most farewell tours. Right. No, I know. <laughs> have you seen that Vince Neil freaking cameo video? <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> A fan paid like $500 for a, a cameo from Vince Neil. And he's supposedly sober now. Oh, God. You want to hear my Aussie impersonation? Kinect has uh, requested it. Yes. I think your haircut's rather respectable. What's going on? <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. Any Anytime they ask Aussie what he was thinking when he wrote a song, he just goes, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea because I don't actually write songs or know how to play an instrument. I just buy into the publishing and make loads and loads of dollars. I, I uh, read somewhere though, uh, Ozzy's actually really bad dyslexic, but he reads from a teleprompter. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe, maybe somebody is on top of their game and they're typing those words backward or. Or putting them in the uh, in another order, Yoda speak. Pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Pictures. But again, it's just, it's the guy under the stage singing all the songs. I, I I love how I'm like under the stage. I always whenever someone says like whenever like a band would have keyboards in their in, in the live show, but yet they there was no keyboardist on stage or on the side of the stage. People would always say something like, "Oh yeah, there's a guy under the stage." <laughs> And I always just imagine it just being like the beams and rods and for some reason dirt, just some guy standing there in the dirt playing keys or singing backing vocals or singing lead vocals. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll get back to that. But Ryan brought it back up. Vince Neil's cameo is the reason why he got into cameo. Vince, <laughs> this, this cameo, uh, somebody paid like $500. And at this time, Vince was claiming I'm sober now. I'm trying to get back in shape for the farewell tour. And this cameo came out. And Vince is clearly intoxicated <laughs> and he's sitting there and he was told to say like, um, happy birthday from mom. And there's like a list of names. And then they said, happy um, birthday. Uh... No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can remember exactly what he said, but it said like mom and Jim or some stuff. And it said, um, have a, f uh, feel good year, uh, with your big four O, um, or something like that. And here's what, Vince Neil happened to get out. He said something along the lines of, Hey, there, I like to wish you a happy uh, birthday from Bob. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Kath, you got that clip? Clint, Kath, you got that clip? Um, <laughs> no? Okay. No. <laughs> um, there's Vic. Hey, Vic, you got that clip? <laughs> she's, she's backstage like, no. But no, he's like, happy birthday from Bob. I hope you have a big old happy, big old feel good, big old 4-0, man. <laughs> I'm like, what? Big old. He says big old like three times in this video. <laughs> you big old happy 4-0, man. <laughs> Speaking of Vic, he's going mm -hmm. to be here next week. All right. All right. <laughs> Now I know what I'm doing next Sunday. No, it's Monday next week. I'll be at work. I work well, every day. Listen at work. I try. I actually, <laughs> I, I, there's so many, I used to try to pop in on the chat on the, in, in the trenches, but we're so busy all the time, which we're very fortunate for, uh, you know, but it just got to the point where I, I just have to like watch afterward and, you know, see who pops up on the screen and, you know, enjoy so the interviews. Be Bellyache Records, let's get into music. Since we've covered mm -hmm. Star Wars, we've covered Ryan, and this is kind of going full <laughs> circle. Uh, how did you guys meet, and how did this happen? The Roxy Imaginary Reality and America's America Sweet. How did you guys meet, and how did you get to work on these albums with him? Well, I, I, first, you know, I've, I first met Ryan on his first Cooper tour in 96. Mm -hmm. and, and I wish it still existed, but I had this awesome picture that Alice's former assistant, Brian Nelson, took of us where we're standing there and Brian and uh, Ryan is standing there and he had like a, I, I remember thinking, I think it was like a silver shimmery shirt. I don't know if he, if he would remember this, but I remember it was like shirtless and mm -hmm. we're standing there and I looked like a total Gomer with like a last temptation hat on the Cooper temptation or no, I had a t-shirt and I had some other Cooper hat, but in the right up to the background in this picture, you could see former Alice Cooper guitar player, Dick Wagner standing there wearing like a safari hat and like safari shorts. I mean, he's like, looked like Crocodile Dundee or something like that. And he did, uh, he did not fit in this photo. No. And you could tell, and he was sitting near me at the show too. And you could tell he was really uncomfortable because, you know, I don't know, maybe because he was the former Alice Cooper guitar, guitar player, but he always had a bit of a sour look on his face and a bit of a sour disposition about himself. So I always thought that was like hilarious. And then that photo got lost years ago on a PC that I had that died. And you know, of course, I, you know, I never I didn't back anything up. So it was, uh, it was long gone, but that's when I first met Ryan Roxy. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to about 2013, I was going to a run of Cooper shows, and I had, at that point in time, I had about 40-some-odd bellyache records out, and I, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to approach Ryan and maybe Chuck about, you know, putting something out for whatever projects they got going on, see if they're interested in doing like a single or a 45, you know, something easy, low commitment, you know, just so that way, you know, you know I could do something fun. So, you know, I, I remember it was down in uh, Sylvania, Ohio, and I run into Ryan and I talked to him and kind of pitched the idea to him. And, you know, it seemed like, okay, cool. Yeah, that, that, that's cool. You know, think about it, whatever. I'm at the next show and then the next show. And then by like the end of the third show, it was like, hey, we putting this record out. And at that point, we just kind of, you know, stayed in contact. And the, he already had recorded songs for the Amerisweet EP and kind of said, well, how would you feel about doing like a, like a 12 inch EP or something? And I was like, that's, uh, totally in like that that was actually like more than i had expected and we we started working on that and planned everything out very accordingly and by the time we were gone to manufacturing which was in january of 2014 we were planning for a summer release that was right when they were about to announce the motley crew and alice cooper tour mm -hmm. and that was the perfect storm to have 
a new Roxy record out for that tour because it was huge. I mean, they played big venues every night. It was jam packed, and every night, you know, Cooper destroyed the crew. And yeah, that, Alice that, should have headlined. Alice should have headlined. That was another case of like the uh, like people being blown away. I just remember every night the reviews in each city were very much like, wow, At, like Motley Crue, whoa what happened My, then Alice Cooper. Wow. You know, like blown all like critics were just, you know, freaking out over it. And it was, a, it was, it was great. And that tour, you know, I mean, it lasted two years and it was a lot of shows and that was, uh, you know, the, the Amerisweet era was, you know, I, I felt like we did well with it. Mm -hmm. With the Motley Crue tour. I saw it twice. Yes. I made that mistake twice. Um, <laughs> I was there for Alice. A lot. <laughs> I was there for Alice. Oh, oh yeah, but I, I, I honestly don't think I saw a complete Motley Crue show on that, that run because, you know, typically Cooper was doing their meet and greet before Motley Crue and during Motley Crue's the opening part of their show. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm there for the other guys, you You're know, fortunate. you were very lucky. I saw them the whole time, both times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first time, the first time Vince's microphone wasn't even on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the second time I found out why. <laughs> um, well, at the open, I was at the opening date of that tour in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I remember they came on and I saw a few songs of it and was like, you know, things were a little rough and Vince is standing at the edge of the stage. He just looked, he looked completely medicated. Like, sorry guys don't know you know the problem you know things happen at shows you know things opening night problems mick mars is bitching into his microphone over like if i would be making any mistakes if i could hear my damn in-ears and it's like geez you know and then the show stopped and i went to go get something to drink and i'm i noticed it was quiet for a long time and it turned out that like some like the kick pedal or something fell off of tommy lee's like uh, bass drum and they had to fix that and i want to say the lights were up during that whole portion of the show it was like, what kind of train wreck is going on in there right now? Most people see Motley Crue twice after the STD show up. <laughs> hey, where is Tony? Uh, he's uh, out running errands. He's listening, but he's not yeah, able yeah. to do the actual show. <laughs> but I, I was at a lot of those shows, and I remember one. There was one night in particular after like the, the meet and greet. Ryan and I were leaving. And the crew were on, and we walked through the concourse of whatever arena this was at. And I just looked across and saw them playing. And I think they were playing without you. And they were all just spread out on opposite each end of the stage where it just looked like, wow, there's just – I think I, I think I stopped. We looked for a second and went, ah, just kept walking. Like I, I had no interest in sticking around it. And I don't dislike Motley Crue by any stretch of the imagination. It just, they're a, they're a studio know, band. Right. And, and plus I was there for other reasons. We were pushing a Marisweed, you know, we were, we were doing the, the rock and roll parking lots. It was, I had, I had business to take care of. So, you know, my mindset's a little bit different than sitting around, you know, standing around and watching, you know, like, Oh, I want to go watch these guys now, you know, or whatever. It wasn't going to happen. If you want to listen to Motley Crue live, just take any chipmunks album and speed it up. That's what, that's what. Actually, too fast for love. <laughs> he like forgot the words yeah. <laughs> oh i've yeah i've heard it. i've seen a few of those videos <laughs> big mac 103 <laughs> just put just fill in any word to fill in the blank not even ozzy does that oh i know i know <laughs> i like how we're sitting here shitting on motley crew and ryan's probably like 
<laughs> I, I hope there's no more future tours planned. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, like you funny, never get back. Funny Motley Crue story, though. Um, I've never met Nikki Six. I've never spoken to Nikki Six, but he has me blocked on Twitter. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I did meet him at one show, and uh, it was in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was, we were hanging out at you know before the show with I was with I was with Ryan in the band and at the, that particular show I brought this I had the the live at Vakin box set mm-hmm. and I brought the book along because I thought well you know I, most of the four out of five members of this band are in this book right now so I brought it in I wanted each of them to you know to sign it. and I'm not usually a big on getting all my my shit signed but I kind of felt like you know with this this moment in time working with Ryan on Amerisweet, it was you know it was special. So I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna ask you know I'll have him sign this, and so everyone was signing it, and everyone's like looking through this book and laughing their asses off because I, I don't think I think they signed off on it, but I don't think anyone like approved the photos or something. So they're all like, you know, as musicians, they're always self conscious about like how you look, even if it's a good photo, and then everyone else goes, oh, that's great, you know. I know how it is. I, I've been on stage. I've seen the up the shot, up the nose shots where you're like, Ugh! you know, making some face while you're playing. And it's like, oh, who, you know, who took that? And why did they put it out there? But so they're all laughing at the, their photos. And Nikki Six comes walking in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, you guys don't party. What's going on in here? And he's in. So Ryan introduces me to, to Nikki, you know, as, you know, his and Tommy's label. It was cool. And, and that was about a year after I had played Nikki Six in a Motley Crue tribute show that we did, you know, a handful of gigs with. And I told, you know, he was like, oh, let me guess. You guys were called, you know, Too Fast for Love or something like that. And I'm like, no, no, it was Wild Side. I mean, we played the hits, you know, the band wanted to kind of go out there and do the first couple records. And I kind of felt like, nah, we're playing these Halloween shows for people. We need to pl- pull off all the big hits right down to where, like, we had our, you know, the, our drummer, uh, Nick Morocco, who I work for at Rock City Music Company. He's, he played Tommy Lee and he even learned Home Sweet Home on a little keyboard and we pulled it off and I told Nikki all about the set list. And, you know, again, told him we were called wild side and he loved it. He was, he, he was really cool about it. And, you know, he was, I thought he was really cool that particular day. You know, was it was waiting. good. It was good to meet him and not have to pay a grand to do it. I was waiting for you to say, and then that's how I got blocked on Twitter. <laughs> 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 What is said in the pink yeah. sock safety bubble stays in the pink sock. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nikki, if you're watching, I'd love to have you on the show and find out why I'm blocked. <laughs> I still play a Thunderbird bass because, you know, Nikki was playing them for a long time. And I, you know, I always, I love that style of bass. And, you know, I know some people are very, you know, aren't into it. They may not like the, the, uh, the neck radius on it. Um, some, some models it's, you know, it's like, you know, holding a baseball bat and some it's, it's not. And, the the one the particular Thunderbird that I have I I love it and I, that was I use that bass to play Nikki Six and you know you can't help but kind of feel that because you have this nice long neck and you know not as tall though. <laughs> so you got something you want to promote? You have your lovely beanie on. This is yeah. Well, this is actually this is a, a new slasher Dave design from his, he put out a digital and CD EP this past Halloween called um, night of the jack-o'-lantern. And that's going to be an upcoming bellyache vinyl release. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of some artists I work with, they'll do their own digital releases. They'll do their own CD releases, but I'll, I'll, I just kind of want to do the record. I want to do the vinyl. That's, that's what I'm in it for. That's 
the fun part for me. So that's, you know, something that we've got coming out, but we recently put out a new record called the horrors of hell house. And that was an EP that he had released exclusively through Kerrang magazine last year. And it was, it's a, uh, we, we added some bonus tracks to it and, you know, gave it its first time vinyl edition. And on this particular record, everyone got like everyone that pre-ordered got it, you know, got it signed by Dave. But we, the, the fun thing that we, we always do something fun with every record and whether it's, you know, a cool color of vinyl, like this one happens to be orange. Oh, that's badass. Yeah. But the, um, every record you got a deed to hell house. Of course, this is my copy. And it's, you know, not a, uh, every copy, every deed, oh, wait, came burnt because <laughs> it's Hell House and it was on fire. That kind of and there, there was nothing better than burning all these deeds and having it waft through my house. So each deed has different burn spots. Yes, to different degrees. And I've seen people posting pictures on Instagram and Facebook and some of them look really cool. Like, like, wow, that one looks badass, you know? And then I've seen some where it's just like, oh, the corner's barely nipped. Because surprisingly, this parchment paper is, was hard to burn in a stack. So I had to start doing smaller stacks. That kind of reminds me of uh, when Alice Cooper did the Theater of Death tour. Yeah. He had a uh, tour shirts that was a contract like that. Like a contract for the devil type thing. Yeah, it actually it was a pretty long one. I have it in my closet. It says like um, uh, I, uh, uh, I survived. It's, it's like I survived Alice Cooper's show. Blah 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 blah. I survived all this stuff, and it says uh, uh, he's not responsible or some shit, and it has Alice Cooper's signature. Yeah, and it has a spot redesign. I seem to remember that that shirt. I I, I kind of threw the towel in, in collecting Alice Cooper shirts at some point in time because there's a period of time that. I'm just gonna be blunt. I wasn't. Ha I didn't dig the designs. And then the, at once I think when, like Hazmat started doing designs for Alice, it was like these are good, you know. And then, then I got to a point where I was at shows going, uh, how much money do I have available right now? It's actually one of my favorite. How many more black t-shirts do I need hanging in my closet? I quit buying shirts at concerts after I hit like 300. I'm like I can't, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I wear the same Blackula shirt all the time. <laughs> I all these t-shirts I, I paid way too much money for hanging up in my closet, but I got like this shirt that I think was only like like 15 bucks. And, it, actually, and, it's, and it's Blackula. I'm actually sporting a local band, Never Wake. Their uh, producer is the bassist of uh, Disturbed. Okay. And, and that's local to to what area? It's where, like, where exactly are you? I'm in Ohio right now. I may okay. be moving to Phoenix, Arizona, actually next okay. year. Whereabouts in Ohio? Um, whereabouts? It's about 20 minutes from Wheeling, West Virginia. Okay. Um, so that, that's like South Ohio. It's like south, south, south east. About yeah. Okay. Um, we uh we're about an hour and a half, two hour and 20 minutes from Pittsburgh, PA. Okay. Yeah. I, and that's, that's all you have to describe where I'm at because nobody knows the other places. <laughs> we're about two hours from Columbus. <laughs> yeah. I always a lot of people from Ohio that say, Oh, we're about an hour from Pittsburgh. We, we, we have to do that because yeah. if we're like, well, I live in Belmont. It's uh, near Morristown. You're like, wait, wait where? Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Youngstown and I've been to, you know, to Akron and Warren and all these, these places around there. I've been to Youngstown quite a few times. My band, the Grand Nationals used to play there frequently. And, we, we had some some weird times there. Well, Youngstown is uh, the area where Marilyn Manson's from. Is it? 
Yeah. We, one night we played there for Halloween and we stayed at the, um, this, the, we played at this bar and it was called the Royal Oaks. And mm-hmm. we all had a good laugh about it because we all lived in a city that was ne- in a suburb of Detroit called Royal Oak. And so we're playing there and the owner lived, his house was the, it was this big cabin and it was built by the founder of Youngstown. Mm-hmm. So we went, stayed there and he had like, he had all this weird Catholic idolatry type stuff hanging up in his living room. And there was a big casket in the middle and people kept climbing in it and taking pictures. And there's this big Rottweiler just roaming around. It was really friendly too. And we had, a, it was, it was one of the most bizarre nights, like after like, you know, like partying after playing a show and all these people were showing up in Halloween costumes and makeup and like falling over and just like sleeping wherever they fell type thing. And it was, it was so crazy, but yeah, it was like, the, the guy that founded Youngstown was that was originally his home and it's like this massive cabin. Yeah, I love Ohio. Ohio is actually my my home. Yeah. But next year I may be going to Phoenix for a year because Tony's going to college and needs a roommate. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I might just as well relocate. Go. Yeah, I'm gonna relocate just for a year. I'm gonna migrate. <laughs> and him's like, yeah, we're gonna fly to Ohio several times while we're out there because <laughs> we have all friends and family out here. We're just going to explore because it's not far from right. Vegas and shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully everything will be uh, you will be well vaccinated and everything will be open. <laughs> right? Where are you at? I'm I'm just I'm in a Detroit suburb. Detroit, just like like seven miles from Detroit proper from the city. Damn. It's like oh yeah, I live in a city called Berkeley. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. It's nice over here. Nice. I've never been to Detroit. I got a, uh, I know a guy from Battle Creek. Mm-hmm. I've been there before too. That's, Are you? That's at- the home. That's where Kellogg's cereal is, is made. Uh, since you're a nerd of Star Wars and stuff, are you a wrestling nerd too? I was, I was really into 80s wrestling big time for, for a long time. Then I kind of fell away from it. And then around like the late nineties, I kind of picked it back up again, early two thousands that I haven't kept up with it. I work with one of the guitar instructors at rock city is still super into like WWE and has been like through all the changes of the year. So he'll come out and still talk about what's going on. And I'm just like, who, I, you know, I can't watch WWE anymore. I'm, I'm a wrestling nerd still to this day, but it's when you become a fan of the product and you expect a lot out of it, and they're giving you garbage. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a storyline too. That's like, how do they keep rewriting that? Yeah, you like, know, it's like soap operas. Like, it's 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 wrestling. There's actually a new wrestling company that's really good out right now, uh, AEW. Okay, I've I've I, I yeah, I would like to say I've heard of it, <laughs> but not, but with all these three lettered like these acronyms, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's I have a, no idea. It's a new company that's on TNT. It's the first time any wrestling company's been on TNT in like 15 or 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's getting bored with the whole wrestling talk and the nerd We're shit. We're talking about everything else under the sun other than the reason here. <laughs> Dude, did we even specify a reason why you are here? <laughs> um, hey, do you guys know I have a record label called Bellyache Records? Bellyache. Did, did, did I tell you that before when, when you asked me to come on the show that I have a, I have a record label? <laughs> I do have questions from the audience, and they do. And yeah, the label. Them away. I'm going to go to that, and then we could tackle whatever before we leave. <laughs> yeah. When everyone goes to watch whatever football team they want to see lose. 
See, I'm a nerd, but I don't like sports. I, you know, I, I respect any fandom, any like people, if they're into like, you know, like if they're, you know, sports, whatever, I, I'm, I, I like the, the fact that anyone gets excited about anything, you know, like, like, is like that anymore, you know, and I, I used to follow, you know, some baseball and football, but then I just kind of fell away from it. I always have too much going on. I don't have time to, to devote to it. You know, even, even when I see movies, sometimes when I watch movies at home, I have to watch them like three times over because, you know, fall asleep. I've tried getting busy. I tried getting into sports, but then the rules just confuse me. <laughs> just confuse yeah. the hell out of me. I'm like, I like, I like my uh, sports choreographed. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's called sports entertainment. <laughs> I like, I like when there's a story behind why these people are fighting. I don't. Right. <laughs> you, you, how amazing would it be if, like, they started doing that in football or baseball, where, where they would cut to like during the game they cut to the side and they got someone like you know you like totally like you know <laughs> bitching out like this is what i'm gonna do when i'm up to batman they tried that with the xfl and that failed oh that's right <laughs> you did yeah xx twice. yeah twice yeah vince did it again recently mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is called pink sock talk okay um some of the questions wouldn't fit in the little box so i just have them listed right next to my screen i'll just read them out loud okay because we've got some people that uh, had multiple questions which is perfectly fine sure the first question is by funky almadina of the voice it show good friend Hi, of funky. <laughs> what have you been doing in 2020 that has kept you sane and what is the one thing you haven't done or accomplished in your life that you would love to wow well <laughs> in 2020 I've, I've i've managed to have a job and keep working and not, you know, bragging to people who haven't been able to work or been out of work or anything like that. That's it's, it's definitely created that sense of normalcy to still be able to get up, shower, get to do a few things around the house, then drive to work and be there all day and come home at night and have dinner. Mm-hmm. That's definitely kept, you know, a sense of normalcy for me and kept me sane. It, it bummed me out that I wasn't able to put out as many records. I kind of like was feeling it out, like what was going on with like, I know that some of the manufacturing plants and were having issues and, and problems getting stuff done because, you know, they got people on layoff, you know, to avoid like, you know, virus and whatnot. So I kind of waited to put some, to, to put out a record this year. It was the first year in a long time. I only put out one record probably since the formation of the label. If in fact, um, so that was like something I kind of like, you know, held off on for a bit. But for like accomplishments, you know, I've always, I, I always want to take the label to another level. I always wanted to, to deal with more people like Ryan and Tommy who are, who are outside of as much. I love my Detroit bubble. I love all every record I've ever put out has always, you know, I, everything is, you know, it's, I love them. And it's cool that I got to work with so many great Detroit artists, but you know, I've always wanted to keep branching out and do more. And I've talked to people that have come through rock city you know, to do, you know, in-store events and, you know, told them about my label and, you know, and there was always some interest in maybe doing stuff, stuff together. So, you know, getting to work with people that you, you know, musicians that are outside of your, your hometown bubble that you respect is, you know, something I've, something I would love to accomplish, do more of. Mm-hmm. Like California area. and Yeah. Well, well, just even, it doesn't even matter where they're based, to be honest. It's, it's more or less like, yeah, I really like this artist and, you know, I would like to, you know, I, I also, I don't want to drop names of people I've, I've talked to because things could happen. They may never happen, but I don't ever want to make it sound like that there was going to be, but mm-hmm. then there's some people that were like, yeah, get a hold of me, but let's, let's do something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, but it, you know, it's a vinyl label. I'm not, you know, 
I don't, I never want to sell it like it's something bigger than it really is. You know, we don't, you know, I don't have like the department to get your songs, you know, put here and there. I leave digital to the artists. I let, you know, they recorded the music. If they're, if they're recording tracks and handing them to me, that's theirs. You know, I want them to make the money off of whatever digital they can, or, you know, have something there. I just want to, like I said, I just want to make records for people. You you don't make the music or record it. You just put it on the vinyl. Right. And there's been times that I've been in, you know, I've worked, I've gone to, into the studios with bands while they were working on their music and they, I had some input on what they were doing. I, I tend to have input on like the artwork and, you know, what I feel is good for like the packaging and, you know, it always seems to, to pan out, but yeah, I don't do, I don't like, I, if, if I paid to put people into the studio Mm-hmm. then it would be we would be really pushing for bigger tours more you know because it's a lot of money goes into that and to and, and there's a very small you get a little bit back mm-hmm. just you know just enough to cover your manufacturing expenses so you know if i was in that position where i was putting people into the studio then i'd end up also owning their their music and i yeah, i yeah. you know I, I all my favorite bands for years have always had like their their music tied up with this label and that label and they could never get a reissue because oh so and so owns the masters for this or whoever did the reissue of this record did a crap job on it because they just took a, a CD and put it onto vinyl and I always want the artists to be able to own their music as they should. Yeah, I've never understood why like if you wrote the song why can't you own it? All the studio did was record it. Right. <laughs> well, the, the label- if the label paid for it, you know, the way a lot of record contracts work, you know, it's, it's kind of basic. They, you know, they front you the money to go make your record and then you got to make that money back. Mm-hmm. And then once they start making profit off it, that's when you start seeing something, you know, and it, it takes a lot, you know, and in this day and age when people are buying far less physical media, it's, it's harder for, you know, to, to recoup the, that money. So a lot of record labels, you know, like the early 2000s started writing it into like the band's contracts that they went on tour that now we get a chunk of your merch. And that's where the bands were, were making all their money is off their t-shirt sales and whatever merch they were selling on their own. And now suddenly the label's getting a cut of it because they need to pay for the record they made for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just never, you know, never wanted to, to put anyone into that type of position. The that, dreaded you know, 360 deal. Right. <laughs> On, on to the next question by Lynn Parker. She would like to know, how did you get involved with the team on In the Trenches? That was, well, the, the System 12 team is what I'm primarily in, involved with, even though it's like, you know, there's, we're all with the same people. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, having, you know, worked with Ryan on his records and being, you know, his record label, he brought me in on, you know, helping out with the facil- facilitating of sh- shipping items and you know things like that and just in general input and it was you know he kind of knew who he wanted to work with and you know i was more than happy to to be part of it since you're uh, talking about it everyone go check out the system 12 uh, method uh ryan roxy ryanroxy.com on ryanroxy.com you can also go to his youtube channel and check out in the trenches give him Absolutely. a little shout out there yeah not, not like he needs more listeners but um no <laughs> you know what all right he'd in the trenches, it's like I've watched a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and in the trenches, Ryan is a friend. But regardless, that show to me is like one That's of good. the best because his interviews are fantastic, and he, you know the guests. He always gets a lot. He knows how to get get something out of a guest, and I, you know, there, there hasn't been a single episode where I felt like it was. Oh, that one wasn't very good or anything like that. They're 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 all great, you know. Even even people I don't guests. know as much about, you know, were really entertaining. 
you know, they're entertaining to listen to and I love hearing the stories. And, you know, again, Ryan knows how to conduct a great interview. And he also has the best guests too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The guests are, fan are, are awesome. You know, it, it's, it, I'm glad to see that it, it's, it keeps going and, you know, you can, you can bring in different people from different, you know, like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of uh, the one guy that was on, uh, the one, the, the guitar instructor. Um, oh, um, Marty Schwartz. Marty Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost said Rick Beato because I've seen a lot of his. I watched a lot of his videos, and uh, but yeah, Marty Schwartz. You know, like you know that that to me that was still it was a great interview. And I work with you know guitar instructors and hear these type of things all day long. And you know, it's but again, it's the person conducting the interview, mm -hmm. and that that makes it you know that pulls it out of the person. I really do enjoy the show. As my friend Weed says, one hand washes the other, both hands wash the feet. Thank you all for being a part of this cool family vibe. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan, for tuning yeah, thank in. You. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. The, uh, we actually had Ryan on the show. Uh, everybody yeah. can go check out that too. I asked him what the weirdest porn he's watched was. Um, <laughs> and a bunch of other shit. By the way, what's the weirdest porn you've watched, Scotty? Um, the weirdest porn? Yeah. You know, I can't remember the last time I, I I'll be honest, I think last time I seen one, but I was always a big fan of going to the to the uh like the video rentals, the video like the video rental stores oh. and uh and looking at like all the latest that were coming out because they're always based on something that was going on, like like a popular movie. And I've I've always uh I've always been a big fan of just the the play on words, but yeah, I can't remember the last one I watched, man. Oh come on! No Fruit Loops out of the anus. Nothing. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing. But no, no. I, I think the last time I saw something that made me laugh was like there was a, again like a, a spoof on a Harry Potter film. Harry Pooper and the Sorcerer's Bone. Is, Is that, that what it's called? I think. Yeah, or Harry Pooter or something like that. Um, Vic made a really good point. The show yeah. in the trenches wouldn't be, a, it would be good, but it wouldn't be as amazing if it wasn't for Vic. So shout out to Vic yeah. Shelfont, who is going to be on Pink Sock Podcast mm -hmm. next week, next yeah. Monday. <laughs> that, you know, that show has, you know, you've watched it grow. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I, the very first episode with, uh, with Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke, you know, we know Charlie from, from Rock City, uh, Nick, the owner, that is uh he's good friends with that band and he's had him there i believe three times now and you know he has he's very close with all of them so it was really cool hearing that interview and hearing ryan interview charlie and i talked spoke with charlie about it after um when last time they came to rock city and you know and he he loved being on the show as well he thought it was great you know now he, he goes i was surprised it was the first episode it, it's it's a really good show and i just hope mm -hmm. he can keep doing it after shows return yeah the next question is from Alex Petrini. Well, the next like seven questions is from Alex Petrini. I love you, Alex, but Alex will send like. <laughs> so Bellyache Records began as Bellyache Candy Shop. Mm -hmm. Tell the story behind that. And how did it evolve into a record label? Well, the it started out with uh, my friend Michelle Moore and I. Um, it, it all started with just a message from her. She mm -hmm. asked me one day, do you guys sell candy? At this, I was working at this record shop that's no longer exists. It was called Rockabilly's. It was in Utica, Michigan, just north of Detroit. And she asked me, she says, you guys sell candy at your shop? I go, no, but it was kind of strange you asked that because we were just talking about putting in like a candy counter just, you know, just to make extra money. Mm -hmm. And so she sent me this link to this thing called the All Candy Expo, uh, like Sweets and Stacks uh, Expo in Chicago. 
I said, well, if you own a business and you have and you sell candy, you can go to this thing. And she showed, I looked at the link. I'm re, I'm looking at the whole thing and I'm like, I want to go to this thing, you know, <laughs> and because we heard there was a free candy room and that was why we're like, let's go. And it was, it was basically every candy manufacturer had huge setups at this convention. It was like a three day, three, four day long thing. And we, we started talking about it. I said, well, why don't we start something? You know, we're both, you know, creative people and we, we know about, you know, business and this type of stuff. So we came up with, we, we, I remember one night we went out and had dinner and we started brainstorming and, you know, started thinking of names. I said, well, let's come up with a name first and let's like start building from there what we want. We, you know, we had all these ideas of opening a physical shop. It was going to happen. And, you know, between the two of us is the financing just wasn't going to, wasn't going to pan out. And so I said, well, why don't we keep it online? You know, we can, we can do online orders, create candy bundles, packages, things like that. So we started going for all these brands that were, that still exist, but we remembered from when we were kids that weren't very popular. They, or they didn't seem popular. I mean, you always heard about Hershey and Reese's and stuff, you know, brands like that, but you didn't yeah. hear about around here. You didn't hear about big hunk or, um, like goo goo cluster. I know some of these things are popular in the South, but I don't, I like in Michigan, it's like, oh yeah, you just, you kind of remember them from being off to the side. And mm -hmm. so we started carrying all these brands and making these bundles and they were selling really well. And so we wanted to kind of like branch out more. And since she was a, a concert promoter, and I had, you know, worked in shops, had, you know, been in bands, you know, and, you know, we both had a, a great knowledge of the music business. We decided, well, let's just open up a, a, a branch shop and have a record label attached to the candy shop. And so we put together this compilation called the Sweet Sounds of Detroit Volume 1. And we got a bunch of bands that we knew that were fairly well known in the area to write and record songs for the record. A couple of the tunes were were we're pulled from like unreleased recordings and uh, there's a couple cover tunes on there, but you know, all the songs were supposed to be candy related, you know, if you listen to any real song about candy, it ain't about candy. <laughs> and so we, we put really? out this album. Yeah. <laughs> so you mean to tell me that Bisto Blanco's honey isn't about honey. Um. <laughs> I don't think so. And I think when Robert Plant refers to squeezing the lemon and letting it, the juice run down the leg. I don't think he's talking about lemons. Shake it for me, girl. I'll be yeah. your backdoor man. Isn't about opening a door for somebody. Nope. <laughs> it's it's not about chivalry at all, <laughs> in the least. <laughs> no, someone might think so, but you know, it's not. Well, that's the best way to be nice to a woman is you be their backdoor man. Um, backdoor man. <laughs> some love it. Anyway, what were you saying? So anyhow. We took it from there. We started the label and we, and we thought, well, let's just do these compilations and you know, that way we can constantly, we can keep working with more bands. Cause we knew between the two of us, we knew so many people in bands and everyone wanted to be part of it. When we did our first show, the release show for the sweet sounds Detroit volume one, we, you know, we had a sold out room. It was jam packed. Everybody was getting, was buying the CD. Everyone was ha super happy with it because it was also my chance to make a compilation how I would want to hear it. You know, I like, I like one of my big things is no spaces between songs. I want it to almost be like a mix CD without it being an actual, you know, like DJ yeah. mix. Yeah. And I got to make this, the record, you know, very specific way, you know, and of course Michelle was involved with all of that. And after that happened, you know, so, you know, the first, the, the next thing that, you know, that came up was my band. They were like, well, who's going to put out our seat, our next uh, album. 
And we're like, well, we might as well do it. And then we started getting other bands. They started asking, you know, they all want to be part of it. And, you know, we were getting all these submissions from people. And it was cool because it was coming from bands that were fairly well known for the Detroit area that all kind of came out of like the same scene where when the white stripes blew up out of Detroit, there was all these other bands around here, like the henchmen and the mugs and the Gorgo girls that were all doing, doing things and doing tours and playing in Europe and going all over the place. And they were, you know, we're all coming to me and we're like, well, let's do a single, let's do an EP, let's do this or that. And so we started out branching out into vinyl and it just kept going from there. And yeah, well, it had been for a long time. And the people like around Detroit and especially the bands I worked with were already, were, were, had never stopped buying. They were always vinyl purists. So it was kind of like this real niche crowd at first, but then that grew and got bigger and bigger when people started grab, you know, glomming down to vinyl. And then there was a point in time where the candy shop thing just was like, it was becoming more work to run the label. So we just stuck with that and kind of phased out the candy. And then people were telling us, oh, I miss you guys having candy at the shows. So then we came up with this idea of like, well, why don't we make, why don't we make candy? You're like, you know, I don't think belly. We're creative. We, we should figure out how to do this. So we did. So we started making candy bars. I don't think belly ate candy is a good name for it. <laughs> you know, I know that when we were coming up with all these names that we, I, you know, I like gross stuff. Like, like, and I mean, gross stuff, like, 80s movies slime you know you know just things like that like just gross you know some gross humor whatever you know garbage pale kids you guys remember garbage pale kids i love i love how you specify that because we asked what the weirdest porn you watched was and then a few minutes later like i love gross stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things that are gross and disgusting <laughs> but so you know i wanted to do you know have a name that kind of like captured that and it was michelle that came up with the name she said bellyache, you know, and I was like, I like that. You know, I thought that was, that was the name and it, and it stuck. And we had this, we've gone through a few different logos over time. The first logo that we had was this very like, like sort of like late fifties, kitschy looking, you know, colorful logo that we had a guy design. And then, then we had, a, we had this logo where it was basically this demon belly. <laughs> these hands that slash your Dave design and the letters were just green oozing slime. And I remember he put all sorts of little things in there for me. There's like Alice eyes hidden in there and there's like a six, six, six in there, you know, <laughs> all these little things that were like, you know, that I would get. And it was, it was, it was cool. Then we just moved on to what we now call like our, the Stephen King logo. St Stephen King is an influence to many. <laughs> yeah. So we, we kind of felt like it was more just this very like, it's, sort of basic sort of subtle but it has it you know it's got a style it's got you know there's a certain design to it you know it's like when you see a stephen king book it always has the same type of font his name is at the top and there's something about it that makes you you know regardless of like what the content is you're like what's this book about you know it seems like it's gonna be scary or something it's stephen king <laughs> yeah, right. yeah it's about stephen king so uh, Alex also would like to know how many artists have you got signed to Bellyache and what is your long-term plans for Bellyache Records? Well, right now there's 70 releases out on the label. LPs, some CDs, you know, 45s, one we did well we did one cassette only release, but a couple of releases like the Amerisweet EP and Tommy Henderson's Starstruck have been released on cassette. Um, so we've, you know, we've done 70 releases and I plan to just keep going with it. 
you know, Michelle left the left the label and left the uh, the company a few years ago, and I've been pretty much been running everything solo. So I'm, I'm I plan to just keep on going. You know, mm -hmm. I get submissions all the time from people, and you know, I can't put out everything, and I have to if I'm putting something out, I have to look at you know, first of all, do I love it? You know, do I like it? I hear a lot of things that I love, but then I'll look and see like, oh, you know, we, you need to have some sort of internet presence. You need to have an audience, you know, you have to build an audience because it's, it doesn't happen that often where you can just kind of put something out there and then it starts catching, you know, I don't have the resources to start an, an artist from the, the very bottom and then go, you know, hello world, you know, <laughs> buy this. And, uh, you know, I've had some artists that I've, I've taken a chance on that didn't have much, uh, like a big following that ended up doing really well. Um, case in point was this band Voyager 3 that I work with. These guys had played in another band called Forge for years that were like a hard rock, like sort of like hard rock, uh, you know, aggressive punk. Not, 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 I don't know if they're really like a punk rock band, but they were just more of like a hard rock band. And they they toured around. They played around a lot. And I knew a couple of guys in the band. and they came to me at one point and they said, Hey, we're doing this new project and it's way different than what we used to do. It's more like Italian horror film soundtrack music. And so they gave me the tracks and I was listening to it. I'm like, Oh, this has got some sci-fi in it too. This is really cool. And I thought, well, let's do a single at the least it's a single, mm -hmm. but it ended up doing really well. We slasher Dave, who I've done all these records with is also does his own artwork and he's done artwork for other artists, but he's done pretty much almost all the Voyager three, like their releases do has done their, their, their graphics and he, the, the right combination of his graphics and their, their single victory in the battle chamber was it, it, it caught on and it grew and we, you know, we had it into distribution. And then when the album came out, you know, we, we, we didn't include the single on the album. So it was completely different. And then we have since then I've done three albums with the band and every time each record comes out, it's, it's a fantastic seller. They have a great online presence, and that's something a band or artist needs this in this day and age to really move anything. If if they're not going to be touring, I'm glad you said their name is Voyager Three because I wasn't sure if it was Voyage Three or yeah, or... yeah, because yeah, the E in Voyager is the number three. It was, it was it's cool. It looks it looks cool on you know paper, but uh, I always feel like there is that point where you kind of have to say like, yeah, it's Voyager Three. It's pronounced Voyager Three. Uh -huh. You know, but it, it looks like uh voyage uh, something, you know, I, I need to listen to Voyager one and two. And then yeah. <laughs> if you, you enjoy three, <laughs> did they do that as like a, like a horror movie type design Voyager three? Like they've had a, yeah, they've had a few of those. Um, and again, I think those, also those were designed by, thank you, connect by uh, slasher Dave. And he's, he knew what to get for them because he's such a purist of the eighties, like this, like late seventies and early eighties horror. And like, there's, there's a whole, there's like this whole, um, like vibe to all of that. Like going and looking at the old VHS, like horror cassette tapes at the, uh, you know, that the rental places would have at the video stores. And there was always this design on there that just like, it was always way better than the films. <laughs> Like, because I watched Master. a lot of them and forgot a lot of them. Remember quickly. Puppet Master? I saw all of those. <laughs> all of them? All yeah. like, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them, you know, it's like I can get I can get down with Puppet Master one and two, but I reached a point where I'm like, yeah, 
And they, made, they made what, like 15 of them now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Hellraiser almost has as many. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's another one. I can, I can get down with Hellraiser 1 and 2, but I'm pretty much like tapped out after those. Hellraiser almost has as many fa- uh, films as fucking James Bond. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next question from Alex. Um, you released two compilation CDs, 2006's Sweet Sounds of Detroit Volume 1 and 2007's Ghoul's Delight. Sounds like a Kathy Grant CD. Um, and like noted, it's a Halloween release, a double CD. And noted that these two releases were defining moments of Bellyache Records. How so? They were because we they uh, they were actually you know two of the biggest sellers. You mm-hmm. know we, we pressed a few thousand of each of those. And um, Ghoul's Delight is I sold after all these years i i, I kind of had some tucked away for a while but we sold the last copy about maybe three weeks ago at least the last copy i'm willing to sell i have like my personal but that was a that was a huge thing because being a big fan of like halloween and halloween culture i i really wanted to do something that tied in with like my love of collecting halloween records mm-hmm. and and make something like that but at that time in 2007 you know, we weren't doing, we weren't really doing vinyl just yet. It wasn't until the following year. And that was something I always wanted to put out on vinyl. But when we did that, you know, I, the artist I worked with, um, Annette DeLorean, I said, yeah, we want this to look like a classic kids Halloween record. Mm-hmm. And most of the content, it was kind of family friendly. There's a few questionable things on there, you know, but I wanted, I wanted to be able to sell it to anybody. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. And there was a few things on there. I was like, oh, I don't know about this, but at, you know, that, that record in particular, because I got to do my first real Halloween release, it, that was, that was very important to me. It was very big and it was kind of bittersweet when I packed up that last copy that I have available for sale a few weeks ago. I thought, wow, this guy's, this person's getting the last one after all these years, you know, had thousands right. of these things sitting around. What what's uh, crazy though? Uh, going back to like kid oriented, but some wasn't. If you look at some of the kids shows, they're kind of questionable. Oh yeah, weird. Like, like SpongeBob, you have Krusty Krabs and Bikini Bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, kid shows you know clearly made by adults. You know, well, and maybe bored adults. I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of these uh, kid shows were actually designed for college students, and then they became kid shows. Okay. Like, like SpongeBob, for instance. Yeah, they yeah. A lot of the references in there. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen minimal SpongeBob, but I, but I've met the guy that does the voice. <laughs> of uh, SpongeBob. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name I, again? I can't remember. It was at the Motor City Comic Con one year. I like bumped into him over a shopping. <laughs> Did he did he run into you? Yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. But people were kind of like gathering around and I, I heard the whispers, which was crazy because in this particular venue it was a massive, it's a huge room, and we were just like shopping around for all these, you know, for you know, geek stuff, action figures, whatnot, with my with my best my my best friend Tony. You know, we're looking for Star Wars shit. And uh yeah, there's there's the dude from SpongeBob. We, we all have a friend, Tony. Um, yeah. <laughs> everyone in the chat is saying you're an amazing guest. So <laughs> Thank <that's> you. <laughs> so uh, Alex wants to know, I didn't uh, know anything about this, but any updates on signing Ryan Roxy for a solo record? I think they're wondering uh, if you are going to have a, any updates on a new Ryan Roxy. On another, a, a new album, yeah. you know, maybe. 
Ryan's in the chat. Be careful what you say. <laughs> Never know. You know? <laughs> I mean, we imagine your reality was a uh, was a fun project to work on. We had a good time with that and you know, we pulled, we did things that I've never done before with making records and, you know, it was, it sold great. And it was Ryan's first so proper solo outside of Roxy 77. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's that. It seems like when a band releases an album, like a few months later, everyone's like, so when's there going to be another one? Um, I, yeah, I know. It's like, are you that bored that fast? That's why when we put out Imagine Reality, that's why you couldn't find the album in its entirety available on spotify or apple music it's like you want to release some more videos just keep putting out singles from it even though you could own a copy of the full record and it has a cd in it and it had the download code you can own the entire thing and there's still those people out there going i need to hear the whole thing you know it's like well you can hear almost all of it now you know are actually you, you can now you can now that uh oh song videos are available are you guys going to ever release it on streaming? I've heard people ask that. I'm sure it, it sure will. Again, I leave the digital to the artist. So that's something that like, and I'm not throwing, by no means I'm not like just passing the buck or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> seriously, it's, um, you know, it's like, you know, I'm sure that is going to, that is going to be an option. That's smart promotional though. Like yeah. A couple years, let people buy it and let people like really want to hear more. And then yeah. be like, okay, now, it's <laughs> a challenge to get videos out like every month and to do something once a month and keep people, you know, interested. So sometimes you do have to space it out a little bit, but you know, we, we know all these people that make albums and then they spend all this time and energy pouring years into an album. Mm -hmm. And then it's three months later, when's your next one coming out? Just like you said, it's like, like, Oh man, that's kind of a, you know, like now we, we have a new album out and I always believe that like once you put out an, I've worked with artists that have put out an album and then like a month later, they're like, man, it just seems like it slowed down or everything. It's like, well, you got to keep pushing it. You got to keep yeah. working. You got to keep it out there. And you know, it's the music's now out there. People are still buying records that came out 50 years ago. So your yeah. music now exists. Just keep, you know, promoting it. You know, that's how it is. There's some bands like Megadeth and Iron Maiden and them, they'll tour for years and then they'll release an album. Yeah. And, yeah. and, then, and then there's bands or artists like Buckethead. <laughs> Are you familiar with Buckethead? I, I, yeah, absolutely. He released 300 albums in one year. <laughs> yeah. In a year? In a year. I haven't heard any of them. <laughs> well, he has his main albums, then he has this little series that he has. Yeah, and okay. He'll, he'll release like an album a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? Prolific. Like, slow Ginger. down. Ginger Wildheart from the Wild Hearts always has a, a new album coming out. One of my one of my favorite artists, and there's there's never been a shortage of new music from Ginger in like 25 years, I think. And Frank, it's all it, it's in this, and then the the weird part is it's always really good. But what's crazy is that's how Frank Zappa was. Mm -hmm. In yeah. a time in a time where it was really difficult to release an album and stuff, he'd be pumping them out. <laughs> I like your mug. Yeah, double bubble. <laughs> the one that I'm getting is not as innocent. You want to see it? Okay. I want to get this. Oh, no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> double bubble. I've had this mug for a number of years. This was a gift from my uh, my, my my dear friend Carrie Gustafson. She was the drummer for that. Oh, I, I played briefly in a band with her, but she was a drummer of this band called Outrageous Cherry, who mm -hmm. recently 
started getting some attention again because the new Alice Cooper single was originally by her band. Oh, and shit. and so I'd been hearing that song for years and had seen them play many, many times. Hearing that song, I'm sure I've sang the lyrics back wrong to them tons of times. <laughs> but it was cool to, you know, it was here. And when I heard, saw the track listing, what was on Alice's new album, and I saw that that name, I go, there's no way that is not the Outrageous Cherry song. Just knowing that they worked with Detroit Artists and knowing that the songwriter was actually, I think, did some background vocals on the Breadcrumbs EP. Mm-hmm. So they released the new Cooper single on Friday, and I started messaging Carrie because we hadn't talked in a little while. But this mug was was a gift from her a number of years ago, and I I kind of still I have that song in my head again because it's super catchy. Like if if you I don't know if you if you heard it yet or not. It's it's a it's a great tune. It you know it kind of some people were saying oh it seemed a little bit too poppy for Alice or very somewhat bizarre, but it's um it kind of it kind of gives me that vibe of like Department of Youth, like the original version of that song where it's like yeah this is upbeat you know it's it's very it's anthemic. People who say something is too poppy or too heavy for Alice mm-hmm. have not been following Alice. I yeah I know because I just <laughs> trust me, like, you know lately a lot of things have been going back to raise your fist and yell and. Uh-huh. I remember the day that I first got that record when it was first released and dropping the needle on my turntable. And I remember seeing, like, I remember hearing it and just going, how is this the same guy that sang you and me? Right. And I never cry in all these songs. I was that way when I listened to brutal planet for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. how is this the same guy? Because when I got into Alice, it was like 2005. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm younger than you are. Uh, and it, I'm sitting there and I'm like, huh? And I was listening to like you and me and those songs, and I'm like, I really like this guy. And then I hear, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I'm like, I, I think, know, I know. But what a great way to pivot your 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 career to fit with what's going on. You know, right. Alice is always really good at doing albums that feels like in pairs, where he'll do something that fits in with what's kind of happening. And there's always the one that's really close to what's going on. Like trash, I felt was very, very much of that time. And then Hey Stupid was more of that time, but more of a Cooper record. Mm-hmm. They're always like, like, like Raise Your Fist and Yell to me was, even though it was heavy in, in ways, lyrically, it felt more like Cooper to me than Constrictor did, even though Constrictor is, I mean, total Cooper, you know. But they, he always manages to, to do one that, that grabs that new, that audience, and then but now here's the the real Cooper version of it. I mean, but that's my opinion. I really liked uh, that Alice was on that uh, song with Kane Roberts and Elisa White Goods. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, a great yeah, it was a great tune. I'm Kane's a great for, songwriter. I, I I love Kane's records. I was I, I, there, I would love to see Alice on a heavier song now. <laughs> like after hearing that, like, and he he's done stuff like that. You know, did you ever hear the um? The track he did for the movie called for blood rain Two, I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember at that time, you know, it was like, it kind of, that song that he did with Kane sort of took me sort of back to that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just that, you know, and it was a, I haven't heard that song in a long time. I remember hearing it a number of times, you know, for, for a bit, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to it. I'm like, Hearing Alice sing over top of like gutturals like that mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, and, and it a, works. And a lot of people that aren't familiar with Archie Enemy was like, "Who is this chick?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'd it, seen I'd seen them before, and I believe I saw them with a different singer too. 
I I listen to a lot of different music, and I'm sure you do too. I listen to pop, I listen to rock, and then I'll mm-hmm. listen to like. Do you listen to really heavy metal, or are you more of a lighter kind of guy? I listen to I at this point in time, like I grew up listening to heavy metal and listening to you know in, in like the punk rock. But then there came a point where I couldn't relate to some of the punk rock I was listening to because I think I, you know a lot of it was coming from a, a point of view that from like you know maybe an upbringing that I just didn't have, mm-hmm. you know. And what it, I couldn't, I, I, I dug the sound of it. I liked the music, but like lyrically, I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not feeling the same thing because I didn't come from that background, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I kind of stuck with heavy metal because a lot of it was rooted in fantasy and that's something I, I can get down with. Since you like, I, since you like fantasy, are you familiar with Amana Marth? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I've, I've seen them before. They're great. Well, they, uh, the song that we did that's on our intro is actually the band Psalms of Silence, who our co-host is in. Oh, okay, cool. Go check them out. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, They're pretty I, heavy. They're yeah, pretty- <laughs> yeah. I, I like all kinds of stuff like that, but then I, I always kind of like will start digging into artists that I never, I was always aware of, but never really listened to too much. Mm-hmm. Again, taking it back to people who are still buying records that are fifty years old. I've been going down this weird Leon Russell hole recently. You know, we were, we one day at work. Nick and I were playing the new Elton John set. It was like the the jewel jewel box, I believe it's called. And so we're we're listening to the whole thing. And I'm as I'm as it's going on, it's like I heard something that reminded me a little bit of Leon Russell. So then I started pulling up all these Leon Russell albums to listen to. And I for years have spent years years in record stores, seeing those records in like the the two dollar bins, and never really gave him much of a chance. And I started listening to some of his early '70s stuff, and I haven't stopped recently. It's I love it. Lately, I've been getting into. Uh some modern pop i never really was that into it but i like started getting like modern pop hip-hop and stuff mm-hmm. and then i was sitting there one day and i'm like you know what and i'm gonna listen to some ice cube so i put, yeah. <laughs> I put out some ice cube and i'm sitting there i'm like yeah and i actually saw <laughs> ice cube in concert and yeah. that was a hell of a show <laughs> yeah well I, I i i've seen ice cube once on like one of the uh Lollapalooza sh- tours back when it was that was still a tour and one of the other ones, like, when I, you know, now I'll be a hypocrite and say, you know, one album that I bought that I used to love to listen to that I was totally different than any upbringing I had. As I love the album OG original gangsta from Ice T. <laughs> I remember asking for that for Christmas and my mom buying it for me. You like Ice T then? Have you listened to Body Count? I had bought the first Body Count when it was first released and you know, I, 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 I was into it. I thought this, this is cool. You know, it sounds like a, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was aggressive and it was cool that it was, it was cool that, you know, a guy from like the, the like what from hip hop is doing this thrash hardcore metal. record. Thrash yeah, metal. Thr- thrash metal. Yeah. Ashley Grant, who is actually handling stuff too, uh, backstage. Yeah. He's in a punk band since you like punk. Oh, cool. Um, the stereotypes, they actually are oh, holding, yeah. they're going to be holding a world record because, uh, the longest amount of time from a single to a debut album, about 40 years. 40 years. Okay. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like 35 years. Yeah. Maybe. But like. <laughs> well, that was like, uh, there was a band that I worked with that, that was popular in Detroit for a long time called the 3D Invisibles. And they always would do these great Halloween shows where they have these really cool costumes and somewhat elaborate sometimes and some, somewhat basic, but just, it just looked great. And they, these guys all came, played in other bands and they, two of the guys had a band in the mid seventies called the seatbelts and they did this reunion show. And I was like, like, what, what band is this? And, and Rick, creepy Rick was his name or is his name had told me about, he was, oh, this is the band I had in the mid seventies. 
And I'm sitting there like going, what? And so I went and saw the reunion show and there was all these people there that were like, oh yeah, I remember them. You know, and it was like, 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 like 40 years later. It was That's- incredible, but it was like, wow. You know, and then they, they, they kept playing gigs. They were, I mean, they were great. I got, I saw them one night open up for, for Blue Coop, Dennis Dunaway's band that he has um, with, uh, with Joe and um, Al Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult. Mm-hmm. Well, Ashley's like better late than never. Yeah, exactly, Ashley. Stereotypes and the seatbelt should do a tour together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Called 40 Years Too Late Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the chat's calling for a part two. Yeah, so yeah. We'll have to do this again and nerd the fuck Actually, out. I don't even know what time it is. So, that, yeah. <laughs> I have to keep track of time because I work in like a few hours. Yeah. Like this was my, this is my, my only day off. So this was like, you know, I, I appreciate that you guys were able to rework it. So you do it on a day that I was actually available. It was like when I was on the voice it show at that time, I had Mondays off, mm-hmm. but you know, I, 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 I want people to, to grow their, their business on the day that they do their business. Like, like, you know, if you, if you're specifically a Monday and if there's specifically a Thursday and trenches a Tuesday, but it's like, yeah, I, I, unfortunately it's like, I've, I've got a business to, to work for too. <laughs> I, I try to not let this show heads. That's why I agreed to a Sunday. Cause I'm like, there's no yeah. show that really runs today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most people are watching their favorite team lose. Yeah. You know, if I ever watch um, sports, I usually cheer for the team. Everybody else isn't. Yeah. And I only, and I only make that joke because I always feel like all I ever hear about when people are talking about like the teams that they love they're like, they're always losing. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, that's, I don't pay attention. You know, why is it when people talk? It's like, if their team wins, they're like, my team, we won. It's like their personal team. Like we won. Right. And then they lost. They're like, oh, that team lost. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, living in Detroit, in the Detroit Lions have a long, long history of what seems like to me, rarely winning. And all the, you see all these people wearing lions hats, lions jerseys. They got the, they got the jacket, the big puffy jacket on, and they're they're all lions. And then you hear every week they suck. The <laughs> same thing. They're just bitching about how they lost again. What's bad is is I live in Ohio. Our team is the Cleveland Browns. Oh my! My best friend is from Ohio. You so see, I, 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 there was a point he was living with me here for a while, and I got to see a bunch of Cleveland Brown games for for a while there, and. Yeah, I get it. What's funny is, is where I live at, you see more Steelers shit than you do Browns. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Defectors. I'm like, huh? And then it's the same people that like, that team sucks. I'm like, how many Super Bowls have they been to? Right, right. (laughs) You know, if if it's your your hometown team, you cheer them on and if they lose, you know. I saw a meme. I saw a meme recently that said, um, how Cleveland Brownsy would it be if the Cleveland Browns went to the Super Bowl the one year where fans aren't allowed to be there? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I saw a bunch of their games the, the same year that they were on whatever that HBO show is that they do like they spotlight like a, a football team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it's called, but I just remember like watching like it, it was almost like hyping them up for the season. Like, like this is oh, this is gonna be great. And then they, they won like their first like few games and everything was going good. And then somewhere the, like, you know, the, 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 the wheels came off, you know, and everything went, it went right off the track. All I heard about was how they were losing. 
Damn. But again, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Is there any modern artists that you don't have signed to you that you enjoy that isn't something people would expect? Um, I mean, yeah, Weird there's, Al. There's, there's, Weird Al. I love Weird Al. That's, <laughs> that's, I, I love Weird Al so much. I've seen Weird Al live many, many times. Amazing and, show. Oh, one of the, one of the, the best. And I, I thought one of the, not the last time I saw him, but the time before, I, I finally just threw down the money. Nick, Nick from Rock City and I threw down the cash and we're like, let's do the VIP. We got to meet Al. We got to do it. And it was when he was doing this tour um, where he was basically every night changing the set list and playing something in playing deep cuts. I saw him on that tour, the ridiculously self-indulgent. Yes. Yes. Tour. It was so incredible. And we, and there were songs that we got at our show. Like we got the song young, dumb and ugly. Lucky bastard. We didn't. That was so good. And after the show, so we're lined up to meet them. And it, it seemed like every person in that venue bought the VIP. So it's like everyone lines up for, for it. They set up Al at this little table and as we're getting closer to the table, we're, I'm standing there and there was a little, little bit of a row going on between the person that was running the meet and greet and this, these group of people. And these people were like, they had, they had after show passes, but they weren't VIP and they had comp tickets. They were like members of some sort of like art society or something like that. And, and they're going on about how like we were told we'd get to meet Weird Al. <laughs> and so they're going on and they're arguing with this guy but they're keeping the train going, like go up there. People were walking up. Hey, get your picture with Al. He says, hi, signs your thing. See you later. Gone. And then we're getting closer. So Nick goes, we saw what was going on. Like this really started to heat up between the, mm-hmm. that person running the, the, the meet and greet and this, this group of people to the point where it, we, Nick and I knew what was going on. We're like, okay, I'm going up there. And then I had literally like five minutes with Al, which everyone was getting 30 seconds. So it felt like an eternity. So that morning I was talking to Ryan because Alice was, uh, they, they had a day off. Like they were, they were coming from, I'm not sure where they were traveling from, but they had a day off and they stopped in Toledo, which isn't far from Detroit. It's about an hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he says, Hey, are you going to gonna be around or whatever? You know, I think Alice is going to go up to Detroit for the day. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to see weird Al. I'm meeting him later. So no. So he told me the story about how they played, you know, one of Shep Gordon's new oh, year's yeah. Eve razors. Yeah. And they, they play that they, um, they played the song Albuquerque and he told me how it just didn't go over well. So Ryan tells me the story and I was like, Oh wow. So he says, but tell Al Albuquerque. So when I, I sit down, I quickly tell Al, I go, hey, my name's Scotty. I run a record label called Bellyache Records. And Ryan Roxy and uh, Tommy Hendrickson from the Al Scooper Band are on my label. And Ryan Roxy wanted me to give you a message. He just said, Albuquerque. And Weird Al goes, oh, my God. He's like, <laughs> you know the story. And I go, I heard a brief version of it. So while this whole thing, is this argument's going on between the, the guy running the, the meet and greet and these people, this art society people, Al starts telling me the story and he does a great Shep Gordon impersonation, you know, and it was like, Oh yeah. He goes, yo, we're, we're going to do this song. It's blah, blah, blah. It's a, you know, it's a great tune. And they're like, is it a hit? And he goes, it is with the fans. <laughs> well, it is with the fans, but it didn't go over well from, from what I understand. And Al knew it. And he said, I felt so bad. I was so embarrassed. Like he was telling, saying this. And I'm like, wow, Al's telling me this. And then when it came time to, when the guy got done fighting with these people, he says, I got to take your guys' picture and get you out of here. He takes my phone. He snaps a picture of us and 
like I saw a bunch of pictures and people were just like looking nervous, like they were unprepared because everything happened so fast. But we just looked like old friends hanging out together. And I was like, man, that's great. That was so good. And he was super nice. And I think because there was like a connection with like what I have with like people in the Cooper band, he he was relaxed and he was he was very he was very nice. Then my friend, you know, then Nick came up you know, after me and he says, oh, wow. Like, you know, it, it all happened really quick. And he was like, wow, man, he says, that was great just to see that happen. And, and for being such a fan for so many years, it was like, it was the payoff. Like, okay, I don't need to do a VIP again, like for this. That was so much fun. That's amazing. When I saw Al, uh, each show he did like songs he didn't do for a while and shit. Yeah, he always does like a portion of the set yeah. that has a couple of those, it seems like. He did Albuquerque when I saw him. <laughs> that's why, that's kind of the 360. Yeah. He, he also did, um, he was like, I have a Christmas song for you guys. And everybody yelled, the night Santa went crazy. And oh, he's like, yeah. And he's like, since you guys said that, I'm doing the other one. <laughs> at ground zero yeah <laughs> and then everybody wanted to yell songs at him and he's like i don't take requests and he just kept on the show well That's toward, hilarious. towards the end he was like i'll take a request okay everybody yell what you want at one time and this was after he did airline amy which he hasn't done in a while yeah yeah which wasn't one of my favorite songs from him for the longest time and then it kind of grew on me after seeing him play at that tour funny story he said that at the show i was at and at the very end me and one other guy was like i love that song and he, was like, he was like both of you shut up now that's awesome you can if you can get him to like there's crowd interaction it's amazing because then you don't know if he's serious or not because right. it's so weird. He he also was like, uh, he's like, I'll take a request now, and everybody yelled songs. He's like, all right, I heard you. I'm gonna do it, and he did Saturday nights, the night for fighting by Elton yeah. John. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, people got pissed and got up and left. And there's like really? yeah, there's half a crowd there, and he was like, okay, now that the real fans are here. Yeah, a, a long, long time ago. And they they, they sec- always close with that. They have to. Why would people walk out on a weird album show? <laughs> they because were, it's the same people that walk out on the Nightmare Before Christmas because they're singing in it. Yeah, that's like walking out of a show. He actually said he wouldn't do parodies, which kind of confused me when he did that song. But he also did, I don't know if he did this at the show you're at, but he did a uh, remix of parodies. But he played the instrumentals of other songs, but with the lyrics of the parody. Uh, yeah, I, I saw the, I saw some of the uh, some footage of that, and I can't remember. I, I'm having a hard time remembering if he did do that because they did give us a copy of the set list. They they were like framed set list, and it was like this cardboard frame with a ran off. They had to rent them off at the show. <laughs> Since this is a Christmas episode, what are yeah. your plans for the holiday? Nothing. Nothing. Nope. I spoke to my mother last night, and we are. We are social distancing this Christmas by not even getting together. <laughs> I got the ultimate Christmas gift. I'm going to relax on my couch. <laughs> do do you, uh, I saw that you liked the Simpsons. Do you like South Park? I've, I've seen a lot of episodes of South Park. I have not seen all of them, but South Park is hilarious. They have a pandemic special. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I keep getting this recommended to me and I need to see it because it sounds incredible. Do you know anything about it? Just from what little bits and pieces. Cause every time there's like a, a quote that someone will tell me like, you've seen this, you know, and I'm like, no, I haven't seen that yet. You know, I don't know why. 
Well, here, here's a little bit of a uh, storyline, if you don't mind, if you mm-hmm. want me to tell you what happens a little bit. Um, Stan's dad started this pandemic by having sex with a bat with Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and then they both had sex with a pangolin. <laughs> <laughs> and the CIA or the FBI or something gets a hold of this pangolin to find out whose DNA is in it so they can get mm-hmm. a... Uh, a uh, shot made and Stan's dad steals his pain killing. <laughs> so it's amazing. Knows. It sounds amazing. It is. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it later because I've had enough people recommend that to me where I need to see this. It's so good that it was banned from Australia. <laughs> I'm sorry. In the country. <laughs> Appalled. But they're, they're like, okay, the whole like making fun of Jesus and Santa Claus thing was fine. But Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to cut this off because we went a little over time. I yeah. did enjoy talking to you. Part two is a must. Stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> I hope it wasn't uh, too crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it honestly didn't sound too much different than any other conversation I'd have on a Friday night with one of my other with one of my friends. So it, it does get a little wilder once you get to know us. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen some episodes. <laughs> Once people get comfortable, you start running out of shit to talk about. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then, then then you go there. Yeah. That's <laughs> like whenever I meet someone, they're like, you're not the same person when I first met you. I'm like, because I didn't know what you could take. <laughs> Once I know you, <laughs> then, then it's all about whether or not you stay. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, man. You know, I just remembered I got a load of laundry that's downstairs. <laughs> is, it, is it a bunch of dirty socks? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I'm not even wearing. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> it's it's this pandemic, man. You got you know it's time to wash your socks when they stand up on their own. Oh, totally. <laughs> I say totally. Uh, I have no problem keeping up on my laundry. <laughs> I've had issues with trash lately because of <laughs> I've been eating out more. Yeah, I don't um I don't order out as much as I did before. You know, I. I had, I, in fact, I remember waiting a couple months before I'd even order a pizza because I was, I was concerned about it. And I even fired up the oven and as soon as it arrived, I threw it right back in for like well, another I, eight minutes. I've been on a diet the last like month, which is good. But today I had to uh, cheat a little bit and get me some McDonald's burritos. Yeah, there you go. They got burritos? <laughs> yeah, they have breakfast burritos because uh, Taco Bell, Taco Bell, I'm going to call you out Taco Bell. They don't yeah. do breakfast anymore where I live. They used I've, to do yeah, I don't think I'm not sure they're doing it over at the one around the corner from me either. They said we start breakfast at ten. We no, we end breakfast at ten. We open at ten. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Do the math. <laughs> no breakfast for you. Taco Bell's been pissing a lot of people off lately. I know Ryan's. Oh, Dave. Yeah, well, you know when uh when my best friend comes over, we te- we typically will go there, and we uh I don't know I I, I think we um. We go there because neither of us eat meat anymore, you know? And so we get everything you need, sub beans. They always will like, you know, you, you can get anything and have it replaced with more refried beans or black beans. Mm-hmm. So we put these huge orders together and it's like, I want this. All these things that are based around meat, sub beans, sub beans, <laughs> one thing after another. And I've noticed that like we went there one night and I, after I was like, I wonder if I can get a Mexican pizza sub beans. You can. And, and then they're like, we're not serving the Mexican pizza anymore. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I've been eating them for 30 years. And you're telling me I can't get one. 
The one that really got me is they got rid of the cheese roll up. All it is, you put cheese on a fucking bread. <laughs> they get rid of the cheese roll up and you steam it and you roll it up. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to make. God, how 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 cheap are these guys? I mean, so what you what do you have like a choice of like three different variations of the same food? You can get out of hard shell, rolled shell, and or you know, soft shell or whatever, you know. I was watching this comedian the other day. He's like, Taco Bell don't even lie about their menu anymore. They're like, come on down here, we're putting shit in a nacho. <laughs> Come down. Nacho Bell Grande was my favorite for the longest time, and I, I it's still, it, it's weird that sometimes, I, I remember years ago they used to put chives on it, mm-hmm. and it was and it was made like it was, it was kind of like an actual like a, a legit plate of nachos, mm-hmm. and then I think the last time I saw one, and even when I was still eating meat regularly, I remember all it had was just a swirl of cheese. And so a little bit of meat and some beans in it, and a bunch of chips, and it was like nothing—not even enough to ne- like enough toppings to necessitate the chips. The way that they make it, I worked at a Taco Bell. They squirt the nacho cheese thing twice. That's it. Sound <laughs> <laughs> people make for something else too. Yeah, after Taco Bell. Yeah, it's more like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've never had that problem with Taco Bell. I never did either, and that's why I never understood. Like, I I, I love Conan O'Brien, and mm-hmm. on his shows a lot, they always would like in his monologues. They may always just make a lot of Taco Bell jokes, and a lot of Taco Bell jokes referring to diarrhea. And I never, maybe it's I never an- experienced that. Maybe maybe it's one. Maybe it's just the Taco Bell they're going to. Maybe, maybe. there's somebody that maybe there's some rogue taco maker that is like you know what. F these people, you know, and then they're in they're you know, they're, they're giving you the service. Maybe it's the, like an older person thing. Cause Conan is a little older than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's been quite a bit older than me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe their stomach just can't handle it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I've always had a weak stomach too. I'm not one for real hot, like food, like spicy. I love the taste, but then I just, my tongue can't handle it. But like Taco Bell, I mean, that's, you know, it should be like nothing. And I never had that problem, but some people are like, you talk about Taco Bell, they're like, oh, ooh, ooh. They, they'd start holding the stomach already. Like, like they're already feeling that last time that something went down. I think the issue is though, a lot of these people also are like alcoholics or drink a lot. Oh, I've, I've had my fair share of late night Taco Bell so, at way after hours. Cause you know, <laughs> when you play in a band and then, you know, every bartender in town, you hung out places late when I worked- that's how that's how it went and and if you were hanging out in a place that didn't already serve food it's like well taco bell's open till four when i worked at taco bell after 11 o'clock you had to be drunk or stoned to come through our drive <laughs> oh yeah that's how i felt about white castle you know <laughs> there's people that love white castle and that is food that i don't think has ever i mean i i can't imagine it touching your lips or your tongue while you're sober <laughs> Well, <laughs> we just keep talking and talking. I'm going I'm to cut this off. Here. <laughs> if you want to hang out after this goes off the air, you're more than welcome. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. <laughs> We're going to talk about Taco Bell and White Castle next time. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> to everybody that hung out in the chat. I couldn't see the chat, um, but thanks yeah. for being here today. I appreciate all the people that gave you know any of my posts likes or the shares in the story shares. It's, it's very nice and generous and really appreciate that, that, that lovely glamor shot, you know, 
I don't take many like that, but man, there you go. That, that, that's one for the ages. If you guys want to check out Scotty Hagan on uh, social media, there it is. We have Victor Chalfont next week. Can't wait. <laughs> Remember, everyone, live long, rock hard. Until next time. <laughs>